Hi, this is Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear, Hall of Famer. You're listening to my friend Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061, the show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. And good morning, everybody. Around the world, across the nation, we thank you for joining the Sports King. And man, oh man, am I excited today. We've had this gentleman on our show before, and uh, it's beyond an honor for me because I grew up such a fan of his, and I've worked to football camps with him with the USO. I've got to know him a little bit. And uh, just a pure honor, but and in speaking with Mark Mosley this morning about him, I was doing some uh, background and we were talking about him and I said, what made him so special? And he said he was just so smart. He's so intelligent. He knew everything about every aspect of the game. And uh, what an honor. And one thing Mark told me this morning about Joe, he said, you know what? I don't know if he ever got the full credit. He got credit, but not as much as he deserved because of what he did for that franchise in the city. And I believe that as well. I, I love this guy. I, I just uh, am so honored every time I get to speak to him. And we welcome back to the Sports King Show. Joe, thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday. We hope you're safe and your family is and uh, everybody's dealing with something we've never dealt with. How are you doing? Jamie, thank you very much. Uh, and thanks to Mo for the kind words. Uh, we're doing well, and I hope you and your family and everybody listening out there uh, are doing the same thing. You know, it's these are unprecedented unprecedented times for us because every day is sort of a, a new adventure. And I think, you know, I, I look at it this way. If we can adhere to the guidelines that have been laid out for us, it buys everybody another day to get us closer to possibly a vaccine or possibly a treatment that can make sure that uh, we don't lose lives. And that's why, you know, I, I was in Target just the other day, and I happened to see a mother and a, a couple of daughters with no masks on. And I, and I asked myself, why? You know, I mean, it may not affect you, but you could possibly affect someone who is older, who is more susceptible to uh, the coronavirus. But I just encourage people to hang on for another couple of weeks, and, you know, if the weather will get warmer, and we can hopefully, you know, get on and, and get back to what would be a life 
there's no such thing as what the normal life was before, Jamie. It's a whole new world now. And I think it's given us an appreciation of one another, our families, our faith, the things that are important in life. Uh, and um, it's going to be a different kind of a world, but I think it's going to be a better one. I agree a thousand percent. And you've always been a leader on the field, in the community, everything you've ever done. Uh, and Mark talked to me about that this morning, your leadership ability. And that's the thing about you. You've been it in business as a business leader. You've owned businesses. You've, you're an accomplished speaker. The fact that you bring positivity in a negative situation and we're following your leadership. That's one of the reasons I've to have you today because of your positive light and what you bring uh, in terms of leadership and the fact that you're given such positivity in a negative aspect. And uh, we really needed to hear that. So we thank you about uh, giving well, those you know, type Jamie, of messages. Now. You know, what's, what's interesting in life is I think it, I think it takes a lot of energy to be uh, a, a downer to somebody yes. that just looks at the negative aspects of life. And, and I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody who looks at the aspects of life walk with their shoulders high and their head held high. I mean, they're always sort of looking at the ground. They're always sort of thinking about what the next problem might be. And I've never been that way. I mean, I'm a, I've been a cup half full guy all my life. It was my parents were that way. I, I'm that way. I try and teach my kids to be that way. That, um, you know, in every situation, you have to try and find something positive. And in this situation that we're in now, it's it's given us time to be with our families more. Um, some of us are going just to be out of here. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> on the other on the other side of it, it, it gives you a chance to sort of take a step back and and you know how many times can you polish the silverware? How many times can you uh, vacuum the house? I mean, these are all you know. My wife and I are walking around the house, going, "Okay, what's our next project here?" Uh, because it's just me and you. But you know, I just I just pray that everybody out there is safe and, and well. And as a matter of fact, if you're finding yourself doing nothing, uh, my book comes out June 15th called "How to Be a Champion Every Day." You can order it now and at a, your local bookstore or on Amazon and. Um, it'll give you something to hopefully be an uplifting read. How to Be a Champion. We're going to talk about that book. I'm telling you, folks, you don't want to miss this book. Joe has put out a great book. We'll talk about that as we go along. Um, I want to look back on your career. And when you go back to Notre Dame, I think every young man that plays football in our era coming up, you saw Notre Dame on Saturday, Lindsey Nelson, all the pomp and circumstance. You get a scholarship there. And I don't think you had such an amazing career in college. I don't think people realize when you look at the numbers, 23 and two overall, 20 wins, three losses, two ties, such an amazing career. Second in the Heisman Trophy voting. I mean, the things you did at the college level, you made it to the Hall of Fame there and rightfully so. But uh, do you ever feel you got the justification in terms of uh, the accolades from a college standpoint because you were such an amazing pro that some people don't always look back and say how great you were as a college player? I don't, you know, I don't really look at, uh, at the accolades. You know, they're co I appreciate it. Trust me, anytime anybody compliments you or presents an award to you, I think you have to appreciate everyone and all the thought and, and concern that went into it. Uh, it's certainly appreciated, but you know, I, you know, you're a college kid. I mean, what do you know? I had the best time of my life. I started my career at Notre Dame as a punt returner. Same thing I did in professional football for the Redskins. I've returned punts for two years here in 74 and 75 before I ever had a chance to, to actually get on the field as a quarterback. At Notre Dame, the first seven games of my sophomore year, I was the punt returner. A guy by the name of Bob Gladier and myself, we returned punts. And then all of a sudden, Terry Hanrighty got hurt with three games to go, and I wound up becoming the starter. I mean, Era had 
Arrowhead, Coley O'Brien at Notre Dame, who had quarterbacked the football team to a national championship in, in 66. And he had uh, a guy by the name of Bob Belton. Uh, and so those were the two quarterbacks, and Terry Hanratty and me. There were four of us. And I was the sophomore. Those three were seniors. And when Terry got hurt, Era put me in. And I asked him one day. I, I said, why me? Why not finish the season with the guys that you had? And, gee, Coley had, Coley had moved to running back, but he was still the guy that quarterbacked him to a championship. And he said, I just felt you were ready. And I've, I've been so thankful to Era for, for all his life and all mine for one simple decision to give you the opportunity. And that's the other thing. See, life, life presents different opportunities to us, Jamie. I mean, this is an opportunity to look at ourselves, look at our businesses, look at our, our lives and what we want to do going forward. Um, I was given an opportunity to play quarterback. Now, how do you capitalize on the opportunity? That's, that's my favorite word. Because it, if, if you can't capitalize, if you're not ready for an opportunity, it'll pass you by and move on to someone else. And so for me, I had a chance to play, and you know, I played with some great football players. And, and you've heard me say this before. We've had this conversation. The quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. I mean, we really think about it. If receivers don't catch, if runners don't run, if offensive linemen don't block, if defenses don't stop people, heck, if kickers don't make kicks, you don't win. Tom Brady wears six Super Bowl rings. Three of those, Adam Benatari kicked field goals to win the game. One was an interception in the end zone. Tom's the greatest that ever played the game. But it wasn't that he did it all by himself. You know, he had four of those rings really were other guys making plays for him. And so that's the dependency that, that we have at that position. But I, I love Notre Dame. Heck, I went to school there. I was 152 pounds. Five feet 10, wow. 152 pounds, one of 13 quarterbacks when I went to the University of Notre Dame. I looked around at some of those guys and went, wow, these guys are physical specimens. And then I went In to time. my room uh, my freshman year, and I wrote down on a piece of paper, I'll be the greatest quarterback ever to play at Notre Dame. If somebody saw that, they would have said, you know, you're absolutely nuts, little guy. You're, you're off the charts crazy. But it didn't matter. It's never mattered to me what other people think. And this is something I try and stress to people all the time. Don't let anybody tell you that you can not be what you want to be. Because there are people out there that just don't want you to succeed. That's reality. But you can't let those negative people drag you down and say you can't get it done. By golly, you can accomplish anything you want. I believe that. That's awesome. And we really need to hear that. And I'm going to tell you, Joe, and speak with Mark Bosley this morning about you. We were just talking, and uh, he mentioned about you being an All-American all as well as academic All-American at Notre Dame. And he said, hey, you know, some of the aspects of Joe that stood out that his intelligence and the fact that he'd always be so in tune with every game plan. He knew every facet and everything in terms of an academic side of things. And he didn't get enough credit on that side because you saw the athleticism, but the fact that you put the time in the books, not only at Notre Dame, but it translated in terms of great things with Joe Gibbs and that offense. Uh, the fact that you did so well academically really paved the way for you and really sets a tone for other athletes out there listening now that uh, have to understand you have to do it in the classroom as well to excel on the field. Well, you know, you bring up a great point, and this is something I try and emphasize to young people, uh, young men and women in college, is if you invest in your education, that's an investment that you will have the rest of your life. The, you'll, you'll grow, but it'll, it'll give you a foundation. And, and there aren't a lot of people that go through college uh, that aren't, say, in the medical profession or, you know, accounting, attorney, or legal professions 
you know, so many of us go through college with a, with a, I don't know what I want to do when I get out kind of attitude. But if you work hard enough to get an education, it gives you that foundation to be able to build on, to do darn near anything you want. And I, and I stress this to young athletes. You can have the same thing happen to you that happened to me, and that's get hurt. And if, you're, if your athletic skills go away or that, that thing that made you, quote, unquote, special goes away, what do you have to fall back on? Nothing more but your education. And that's why the investment in the education is so vitally important because you don't know uh, if your arm's going to go or you don't know if you're not going to be able to, to do the things you want to do. You're not, you don't know if you're not going to be able to, to, to continue to be a model or to be able to um, do anything because that could end, and eventually it probably will. So what, then what do you have? You have your education to fall back on, and that's why it's so important. Moving on, of course, 24 hours. I can't believe it, Joe. We've been well over a month without anything. I'm out looking at squirrels running and trying to do play-by-play <laughs> on my front porch. But it's getting to be that bad. Uh, and I'm tired. I, I, I do want to watch Super Bowl 17 anytime that comes on and, and you hand off the rig. We'll talk about that in a minute. Of course, we always want to watch that. I never get tired of watching that. But let me ask you this. With the draft 24 hours away, put on your GM hat uh, for a second. The card goes to Joe Theismann. He writes the name down. What's the name tomorrow night at number two? Do they package something together and move out of there or stay at number two? And if so, who's going to be the pick at number two? Jamie, for for the longest time, I believed, and I still believe, that it will be Chase Young out of Ohio State. Uh, We're going to go to a 4-3 defense up front. He's a terrific defensive end. I think he would complement what we have now in Sweat and Jonathan and Duran and of course, Matt Ioannidis, and, and, you know, you've got a pretty fearsome foursome. And if you look what the 49ers did with their front four, it made a world of difference in that football team. Uh, I think ours can be a comparable group of young men. But then on the other side of it, uh, I get thinking, you're probably going to get a draft choice for Trent Williams at this point. We're, we're down to the 11 and a half hours, or 11th hour, I guess you could say. Um, and you're probably going to make a deal, and he'll probably wind up, and he needs to go someplace else. Trent can't be a Redskin. It's just, it's a whole new coaching staff. It's a whole new locker room, and you just can't bring the negativity that, that had surrounded him with everything that has transpired back into that locker room. So you probably will get a draft choice there. You, you know, I have, if, I, if I'm the GM, I know I don't have a second. I don't have a six. I actually have seven picks. I want Chase Young at two because I think he complements our football team, and he could be one of those generational players. But then there's a little guy on the other shoulder saying, you know what, the two pick is interesting because Burrow will probably go one to Cincinnati. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Mike Brown doesn't trade out of that spot. Cincinnati historically does not give up that spot. Um, But Miami, I mean, they can wait at five for Tua, because I don't think anybody's going to get, or they can move up to make sure that they get who they want. You really got, you've got, you've got Herbert and, uh, and Tua. Those, those are the two guys that I think would be the next two quarterbacks to go. And there are probably seven teams in the NFL right now that, that needed quarterbacks, and some still do. Um, you know, Nick Foles has moved on. Obviously, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, you know, New England. Uh, who makes a deal? They're always making deals. Miami's got three number ones. Jacksonville's got two, and the Raiders have two. So you know, I'm 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 listening to offers. I know I want. I'm pretty much probably going to take Chase Young there, but I'm still going not not 
not listen to offers. I want to see what somebody has to say. What are you going to give me? I mean, if somebody offers me, um, if Miami offers their, their fifth pick, Miami's at 5, 18, and 26. So if I can get their fifth pick this year, a second-round pick this year, and next year's first, that's some, that's some pretty good firepower to build your football team, uh, especially a young team. Yeah, yes, you pass on a, a very unique player, but you need more than just that player. I mean, we need speed at the wide receiver position. Fortunately, it's a deep draft at that. I mean, you could get Jerry Judy. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be the first, uh, or C.D. Lamb. Those two would be probably the first two wide receivers off the board. But we need, you know, Terry McLaurin needs help on the other side. Uh, I don't think there's a tight end here that you go get in any of those positions. But, we, you know, you need a tight end in, this, in the game today. And I believe Gronk's going to go to Tampa. Did you hear that? Yes, yes, That's, yes. What do I you mean, think of that? I, I think it's, it's exactly what Tom needs. I mean, Tom has always been a part of an offense that is an inside passing game. You think of tight ends and slot receivers with Julian and Gronk. Um, and he's got great wide receivers down in Tampa. You know, to me, you've got to think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that division, even though New Orleans is there. I just that was a little right. sidebar. But from my general manager position, I probably would stay with Chase Young, but I'm not as set on that as I was maybe a month ago. I'm listening now. So you're taking some calls? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm okay. listening – I want to. I want to see what the. I want to see what the. You always have to take calls. I think if you're if you're in that position, you have to take calls. You can't just say we're going to go a different direction. And take this person. You're listening to the 1983 NFL MVP Joe Theismann, also with a brand new book. Boy, you can't miss this one. How to be a champion every day. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But I want to ask you, Joe. You in 1983, of course, the MVP Super Bowl 17. Going back to that. Historic day in Redskins history. Um, you know, I want to thank you personally. I know skin fans, we're, they're lined up uh, watching on Facebook Live as well as on the phone. we got people wanting to talk to you left and right. But when we're looking at that day, I remember running outside, and I remember you running off the field holding the ball over your head. And I remember running outside, jumping up and down, celebrating like I've never celebrated in my life. And I can thank you, uh, fortunately enough to do that over the radio right now, but what you did for Redskins fans and taking us to two Super Bowls, but to win that game, can you talk about when you handed it off to Johnny, went down the sidelines, the feeling, the vantage point you had, the feeling that for your entire career building up to that, what that meant to you? Oh, gosh. I, you, know, I, you know, I think there are a lot of kids out there that dream of, of being able to play in a Super Bowl and then having a chance to uh, quarterback one and then ultimately having a chance to win one with the guys I had a chance to win it with, the coaching staff, the players, the entire organization. I mean, you can't forget the people that were back in Washington um, in our offices. I mean, everybody contributes. uh, Everybody has a role in in contributing to the success of an organization. And for me, I think one of the things that's that's really cool is – when I handed the ball off to John, and he and Don McNeil tried to tackle him, and, and he sort of slid down him like a, a hot knife through butter, and I watched him turn the corner, I was running down the field because Clint Didier, our, our tight end, was running close, and I was afraid he was going to clip somebody, and I kept yelling, don't hit anybody, don't hit anybody. Not that anybody could hear me, but I'm running down there yelling and screaming, and John gets in the end zone, and it's like unbelievable. I mean, uh, just just an unbelievable experience to be able to walk off that field. And 
the, the way I ran off the field was really a combination of two pictures I'd had in my mind. I remembered Joe Namath after he won the Super Bowl running off the field, waving his finger number one. And then I also remembered Terry Bradshaw running off the field, holding the football up in the air. And if you recall, when I ran off, I was waving my finger number one and, and I was holding the football up. And so that those were images that were emblazoned in my mind. And all of a sudden, I did those things. Now, I didn't right. conscientiously think of them until I saw later pictures of me doing it. And I thought, those are things that I've thought about for a long time, if the situation ever presented itself. And lo and behold, there it was. When we look at your career and uh, so many people, as Mark Mosley was telling me this morning, you had some people say a cockiness about you. But Mark said it was a confidence about you that people often to this day, he said, uh, misunderstand because I always, as a former coach and uh, as a broadcaster, I love the confidence. I want that guy that's calling the plays out there, that's running the offense to have confidence. I don't care what other people think, like you said earlier, but I want that confidence because I want a guy out there that I know that can win when the chips are down uh, as much as when they're up. Uh, the, the key to great players is what you do when the chips are down. And you had that confidence and that permeated through the entire team. So, I hope you never apologize for that because that's something that's a trademark of yours that I love. And, buddy, number seven can be in my lineup any day of the week. Well, you know, it's, it, I tell you it's funny, Jamie, is, um, you know, for years I've basically talked to people about the fact that if you don't believe in who you are, who's going to believe in you? But Absolutely. I will say that I may have, I may have stretched that to the, to the nth degree. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I think I skirted that, that, uh, that arrogant, cocky line a little close sometimes. Maybe so, a little bit. Maybe well, a I'll, little I'll, bit. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another story. So I come to Washington, D.C. in 1974. Of course, Billy is here and Sonny is here. So I come to D.C. in 74, and I arrive in town. And my first press conference, I basically say, I didn't come here to sit. I came here to play. Well, the, the, Redskins, the Redskins were the oldest franchise and most union franchise in football at that time. Well, right. that sort of upset Billy and Sonny. Really pissed them off, to be honest with you. So they're, they're, they're upset. Now, now, keep in mind that George Allen came here in 71. No, right. he, Vince was in 71. George came after that, after Vince passed away. Um, Vince Lombardi passed away. So now – Sonny used to throw the ball. Sonny was the most incredible passer of the football that I've ever seen in my life. And wow. Billy was one of the greatest competitors I've ever been around. And these are, these are qualities that I've recognized, not while you're in competition with someone, but after. And, right. um, you know, Billy, George wanted to run the football. I believe Coach Allen. If Coach Allen had the perfect game to win, it would be a 2 nothing football game. It would mean that the offense didn't <laughs> right. screw up. And the defense scored the points. I mean, that, that would be right. Coach Allen's perfect dream. So now years go by, and, uh, and, and Billy and Sonny, I think, were in competition until I got here. And then they, they were downtown having a little libation one night. And I, the way the story goes is they made a pact that night that it didn't matter which one of them started anymore as long as he didn't. Me being the heat. So wait a minute, you know, Joe. I, you sure you sure about this? You're you're telling me you're going on record that Joe and uh, that you're you're saying that Billy and Sonny had a libation. You're, you're sure about that? I, I, libation. I, I just like I said, I've, I've heard it. I don't. I can't. <laughs> I wasn't there. 
I can't verify it by sight. If you, you know, if you, if you make me testify to it, I can only say this is what I heard. But okay. I heard it. So anyway, um, and 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 see, besides that, besides coming to town and being boisterous, and this gets to that cockiness thing. Um, I had a TV show. I did a five-minute segment on WJLA TV here in Washington, right. critiquing games. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't playing, but I was critiquing <laughs> the other guys. And then I wrote a book on quarterbacking. Having never played quarterback in the National Football League, what? I wrote a book on quarterbacking. So I guess you could say I skirted that line of egotism. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and believe me, I, I know exactly what I was, and I know who I, I know what I want to be and who I'd like to be as a person. It certainly isn't what I was, but it, it you know, I, you can't turn the clock back. I can't change what I did or who I was. I can only try and be a better person going forward and learn from the experiences that I went through. So last little thing. So about, I guess maybe seven, eight years ago, Sonny and I are out at Redskin park watching practice and we're driving in the cart and I turned to Sonny and I said, you know, Sonny, you know, I'd heard that you and Billy really hated me. Is that true? He looked at me and said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Said, okay. That confirms it. So he said, yeah, we didn't think much of you. But wow. uh, it was, I, you know, and I, gosh, Sonny was, I remember one day on the practice field, I walked up to him, just watching him throw the ball with that perfect spiral. He stepped to the left and, that belly of his would come out, and that thing would just be beautiful. And I, I asked him one day, I said, how do you throw such a beautiful spiral? And he said, Joe, I take the ball. I put my hands on, you know, he's a little bit of southern draw. I put my hands on the laces. I take my arm back, and I let it go. <laughs> I said, wow, the Dalai Lama have asked, has just shared this secret with me. So, But, yeah, and then Billy was just an incredible, fiery competitor. You know, it's Billy funny you said get, that Billy could get people to run through a wall for him. Right. You know, Sonny, Sonny did it with his athleticism and his ability to throw and lead the football team. Billy was just pure, tough, hard-nosed guts. Meyer, we, and, and, you know, as years go by, you admire that you, you recognize the qualities more of the people that you've been around. And those were two that, that uh, it was an interesting run for me, being the youngest guy in a group and a guy that nobody really wanted around. Well, we're going to talk more, not only about your book, about your Redskin career, and much more. You listen to the legendary Joe Theismann on Sports 1061. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Joe after these messages. Hi, sports fans. This is former Washington Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Griffin. You are listening to my favorite sports show, The Sports King, hosted by my great friend, Jamie King, on Sports 1061. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to a man whose future is so bright, he's got to wear shades. The Sports King on Sports 106.1. And welcome back, everyone. It is indeed an honor and a privilege every time this gentleman comes on the airwaves. He is the best. Folks, not only Super Bowl champ, 83 NFL MVP, 
he has done everything for the Redskins franchise. He is uh, one of the greatest of all time. Going back, talking about before we went to break, uh, Billy and Sonny and so forth. I remember Sonny one time was in his late 60s at the time. I was on the sidelines before the game, and he's out there, and he's tossing the ball up in the air. And uh, going back to what Joe said about him being such a great passer, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I hope he doesn't try to throw it because he's well past his prime, and, man, this won't be good if he does. Next thing you know, Joe, he hauls back, and I guess this is just something you guys always will have And uh, as far as the ability to throw. He's throwing the ball as well as anybody that's and I was sitting there saying to myself, this guy just has such a classic passing motion. And you referenced it earlier. You said he's the greatest passer you ever saw. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. I mean, you know, he used to throw a ball behind his back, 30, 40 yards, perfect spirals. When we warmed up, that's all he did. He threw it, uh, wow. he just threw the ball down the field behind his back. And it was, it was sunny. I mean, it was, uh, he was a real special talent. And he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. When you look at uh, your Redskin career, one of the funny stories Mark told me earlier today is that uh, he and Dave Butts and you would always drive to the stadium together. They would be in the front. You would be in the back. And then this thing happened with the roadkill story. And oh, this yeah. was something. Dave, would, Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave had to, uh, you know, Dave had to run over different types of roadkill driving down the GW Parkway on our way, <laughs> we used to, on our way to the stadium. We, um, we used to um, stay at the Marriott out at Dulles uh, at the Dulles Airport. So Sunday morning, we'd hop in the van. Dave would drive. Mark would be in the passenger seat, and I would I would take my People magazine, which I read cover to cover, and my game plan, and I would lay down in the back of the van. It was a it was an empty van. It didn't have seats in it back there, so I just lay down in the back, and we'd drive to the stadium. And all of a sudden, I'd be laying and it'd be like thump thump. And I'd hear Dave go, yeah. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? And come to find out that Dave used to gauge his performances on Sunday based upon the size of the roadkill that he would run over going to the stadium. So if he wow. got a squirrel, it would be a decent day. If he, uh, you know, if it, This was already dead, so it wasn't killing anything. But if it was a, a, a raccoon or something like that, or, oh, it would be like an unbelievable day. And the other thing he used to do is – just to get under Mark's skin, Dave would give you, he, he was one of those guys, I'm sure every one of us has this person in our life. They just do things to tick you off. Right. They, they just they just can't wait to get under. So what Dave used to do is Mark used to find a radio station he'd like, and Dave would immediately change it. So if Mark wanted to listen to a country song, he'd be listening, all of a sudden Dave would just change it. Never looked at Mark, just reach over and change it. And it, we were, you know, we, we're a bunch of kids. I mean, let's face it. We're grown men playing a kid's game with a kid's mentality. That's basically the best way to describe professional football players. And, and we, were, we were three. I mean, you had big, medium, and small. That's, that's basically what we were. Mo was a medium guy. Dave was a big guy, and I was sort of the smaller guy. Wow. The I'm going to tell you what. Funny story about, I'll tell you a funny story about Mark. 1982, we beat the New York Giants here in a, in a rainy, muddy, ugly day. And uh, Mark is the MVP of the National Football League in that year and certainly deserves it. It was for Mark. We wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. We wouldn't have won the right. games we did. I mean, he was an incredibly talented man who kicked straight on. I mean, he had right. 13 socks on. He had a, a shoe that was four or five sizes bigger. I mean, it was like a big club. Right. But 
So we, we, he kicks the winning field goal against the Giants. I get my teeth knocked out in the game. He kicks the winning field that. goal. Yep. He opens his arms like he's going to jump in my arms, but I jumped in his first. I remember that. And so there's a picture of us hugging one another, but I, I preempted Mark's, uh, Mark's leap into my arms. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, the one thing about you, and I'm going to tell you right now, and uh, you know, I look at all the nuances of football. The one thing I never felt, and I told Mark this, and he agreed, that you didn't get enough credit for. Uh, one of the greatest holders in NFL history, because uh, my son's been a kicker, and he was uh, a kicker at a high level. He did very well. But I knew, watching it and learning more and more about the process, if you don't have a great snapper, and you don't have a guy that can get it down and get it down right, it's not going to work. It's a process, as you well know. But the fact that you did it, uh, you went out there and did it so masterfully. I mean, you paved the way, and Mark says so, that uh, without you doing what you did, it wouldn't have allowed him to do what he did. Yeah, it was it, it was three-phased. I mean, Teddy Fritch was a great snapper for us, um, and Mo was incredible. You know, and you, could, uh, I, you, you just have to love to want to do it. I think that's one of the things I talk to different guys about. Like Jay Schrader didn't want to hold. Jay right. didn't want, and if you don't want to do it, you're not going to be that good at it. Right. Um, Mark and I had talked about this, and and I just I love to hold. I love to handle the ball. I love to be able to spin the laces. Uh, you know, with that club that he had, I better get my left hand out of the way, or else a finger was going to go flying with it. Right. But uh, kicking it kicking at RFK Stadium, the tunnels were open on the. Right-hand side, if we were going, like, if you were at the Redskin bench, people can picture where we were at our bench. To the right of us, there was an open tunnel. And the wind would come through the tunnel, and it would actually push the, the kicks a little bit to the left. And so I could use the laces as almost like a sail and be able to direct the ball a little bit, you know, a little hook, a little fade, kick it straight. So and those were those were one of the little things that you tried to learn about holding and uh I used to see, the thing about being the quarterback and being the holder. We always had the threat of a right. possible pass, but on the other side of it, I knew in warmups exactly what Mark's distance was. So if right. I was in a drive down the field, I basically knew exactly what yard line I needed to get to that was a comfortable kicking distance for Mark. So if we were at the end of a half trying to drive down at the end of a game, trying to get to a certain yardage. It wasn't a question of me going to the coach and saying, well, do you think he can kick it this far? Do you think he can do that? I knew exactly, exactly what his distance was. And I, and I just it, it's something nobody ever thinks about, but it's so important because, hey, Jamie, what, a third of the games in the National Football League are won by three points or less? Right. And, and that's, that's the kicking game. I'm going to tell you this, and I don't think it gets enough – uh, coverage, it should, because when you look at the Redskins organization, in my opinion, the most historical thing that happened to the turnaround of this franchise was the meeting that you drove to Joe Gibbs' house when we were 0-5 that year, when he first started, and people were saying, hey, get rid of this guy. He may not be the guy. You went to him in a classic meeting and talked about your seriousness and you wanting to turn things around and you were all committed because you had a lot of things going on. You acted and you were in commercials. Can you let us in a little bit on that? Because I think that meeting defined the franchise and change of fortunes. And I will always look at that meeting because when you left there, things turned around for this organization in many ways. 
Yeah, I did. I, you, you know, that was it was a defining moment for me. And, you know, I, I again, it's a story I tell in the book, and it, it really it it speaks to the question of how important are things in your life. You know, what are you willing to do for the things that are important to you? Uh, we were 0 five. You know, Joe is a brand new coach, so he's not going to get fired. Um, I come to find out in conversations with coach that they weren't going to trade me like I thought originally. He was just going to bench me. Wow. So we lose to San Francisco, and I, um, I get home, and I, I hop in the car, and I drive to Coach Gibbs' house. Now, keep in mind, Coach slept at Redskin Park Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. He would work till the wee hours of the morning. He wore his staff out. He wore himself out. After a game on Sunday, he is completely spent. So I drive to his house. I knock on the door, and probably one of the most shocked people in the world is standing there because there I am. And I said, Coach, we need to talk. Came in, sat down. I said, I get the feeling that, you know, I'm, I'm your quarterback, but I'm not your quarterback. He said, Joe, look. He said, I need somebody who's completely dedicated to being my quarterback. He said, you have radio shows, TV shows, you own restaurants. He said, you have all these other things on outside the game. I need somebody completely ded- dedicated to football. And I said, Joe, I'll get rid of everything. I'll get rid of it. I'll, I'll, I'll Get rid of everything I'm involved in if that's what it takes for me to prove to you that I want to be your quarterback. But before I do that, I'd like you to give me a chance. Just give me a chance to prove to you. And from that day, we were 0-5 in 1981. We went 8-3, 12-1, 16-3, 11-4, and 5, I believe, or I believe somewhere around there. And, uh, and then I, when I got hurt, that we were uh, – we were finished five and four when I when I left the game. We didn't lose a whole lot of football after that particular day. Now, coincidentally, we had changed the philosophy of our offense a little bit. We really featured John a lot more because remember, Joe came from San Diego where they threw the ball all over the place, and right. that's exactly what we did in the first five games. And then there was a basically two philosophical changes: his approach to offense, and I think giving me a chance to really run the offense and. You know, like you say, the rest was history. But what a run we had. And and I'll tell you, Jenny, it was – and I know there are people listening out there that were at RFK Stadium. You'll never get those moments back. To run out on that field, to win that game, to to beat the Dallas Cowboys and have the ground shake beneath your feet with people stomping on the aluminum seats that were put in in the championship game. Now, those are memories that stay with you forever, and, and they'll never go away. When you look at Joe Gibbs, we know from a football standpoint uh, the lessons and the, and the teachings and everything he did to help you in your career. Uh, talk about the, the football coach, but further talk about the man and the lasting impact he's had on your life. Oh, the man's incredible. Uh, we, to this day, we talk probably once a month just to stay in touch, see how each other's doing. Um, I think the world of them. And you look at Joe's success. I mean, look at the successes he's had in NASCAR. He won three world championships in professional football. He's won multiple championships as an owner of, uh, in NASCAR. Um, it, it speaks to the quality of people he has around him. It speaks to the quality of the character he is. Uh, he's a great man of faith. And um, you, you just I – admired, I admired his intelligence. I admired his intellect. I, had, I even admired his stubbornness. I mean, you weren't going to get Joe – if Joe wanted to do something a certain way – I could politic until forever. Wouldn't matter. He was gonna. It was his way, 
And what he used to do with me all the time, if I had a question for him and he didn't want to have a conversation, he would go, eh. I would say, Joe, I'd go, eh. <laughs> that meant it was over. There's no conversation. Just do what I tell you to do and we'll go forward. And, um, and, and just his ability to put a game plan together. I still think today he's the best red zone coach I've ever seen in my life. He had just a way of conceiving and, and conceptualizing plays that um, would result in touchdowns. In 1983, the year we led the league in, in scoring, uh, every game plan that I sat down and went through, at the end of studying the game plan, it wasn't a question of whether or not we were going to win or lose a football game. To me, the only question was how many points were we going to score? And we averaged almost 35 a game. I mean, we lose to the Green Bay Packers 48-47. I believe we lose to the Cowboys, I think it was 31-30. We lost two games that year by two points. And then the Super Bowl, of which I played horribly in. You know, that's, that's the great thing. I mean, that's the great thing about football. It's not like hockey, baseball, or basketball where you get multiple, cho- multiple chances. It's not a best of seven. It's, it's a best of one. Right, And that's what makes, I think, our sport unique in so much that our championship is a one-game shot. We don't play three. We don't play five. We don't play seven. We play one. We're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back because we're going to talk about this book. Because, folks, I want you to order this today. You can pre-order How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. The Sports King is telling you, because as soon as the show is over, I'm ordering it today. You can pre-order this on Amazon. We're going to talk about the book, and we're going to close it out with the legend himself, Joe Thies. What an honor it is on this Wednesday. Boy, do we need Joe. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to the Sports King on Sports 106.1. We will be right back. Hi, this is Kurt Gouveia, number 54, Washington Redskins. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Let's get back to the guy who said where there's a will, there's a relative. Oh, you're listening to Sports King right here on Sports 106.1. And it's been a great Wednesday, the day before the draft. What an honor. Redskin legend Joe Theismann has been with us for the hour. And folks, you don't want to miss it. We're going to talk about it in just a second. He's got a brand new book, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. I'm ordering it today. I implore you to order it. Before we talk about the book, we're going to take a phone call. We thank you for listening from around the world and in the United States. We're going to go to London, England right now with a question for Joe Theismann. Go ahead, Ralph. Hey, thank you, Jamie. Uh, how you doing, uh, Joe? Hi, Ralph. Um, first question is a question in reference to the Hall of Fame. I've been um, following you throughout your career. I was a big Notre Dame fan. I'm also a diehard Redskins fan, so I've pretty much watched your entire career, other than when you were with Toronto. Um, go back and look at your numbers. I compare them to other quarterbacks like Troy Aikman. The numbers are so close in comparison where you threw for over 25,000 yards. You threw for 160 touchdowns. You had 138 interceptions. You had 19 fourth-quarter comebacks, which I find to be very impressive. If you look at Aikman's numbers, 
He threw for 165 touchdowns and 141 interceptions, but he played two seasons more than what you played. And people are like, uh, well, he won three Super Bowls and Joe only won one Super Bowl. Well, that's true. But then when you go back and I looked at one other quarterback and, you know, I look at Joe, Joe Namath's stats. And Joe Namath played 13 seasons. He won one Super Bowl. He threw 173 touchdowns and 220 interceptions. So that's only 13 more passing touchdowns than you. And he threw 82 more interceptions than you. My question to you is, do you think you should be in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Thanks for putting Hall of Fame. The there now. we go. Hall of Fame. Really appreciate it. You know, it's certainly a, it's certainly a great honor uh, to be selected to the Hall of Fame, any Hall of Fame. Um, I'm in the New Jersey Hall of Fame. I'm in the College Football Hall of Fame. They're, they're, they're distinct and great honors. There have been so many great quarterbacks. And, you know, Joe Namath, for example, changed the face of football. You know, Joe's bold prediction against the Colts, um, I think was one of those things that, that is monumental in the game of football. And Troy was part of an unbelievable uh, football team down there and, and did a fantastic job. I, I don't know, uh, you know, statistically, if you just go by statistics in the era that I played in, I guess, you know, you could say that I'm right there with some other guys. But, you know, that that is uh, that's a very subjective vote. I mean, there are, what, 30, I don't know, 37, 38 people that decide whether or not you're going to become a member of the Hall. Uh, it's not for me to decide. I just wanted to do the best I possibly could. Appreciate the statistics, Ralph. Um, you know, I was 82, I think, and 49 as a starter, uh, which I'm very proud of. I mean, the wins are something that I'm very proud of because we did it as a football team. And uh, quarterbacks get all the credit, oh, you did this, you did that, but we're only one part of the, of the equation. Uh, did I, do I deserve it? I, I don't know. I'm not going to be one to make that judgment or that decision. Um, but it's, it's nice that you bring the statistics up and compare me to those that are. And that, to me, is uh, very gratifying, and I thank you. And stay safe as well over there in, in, uh, across the pond in London. And we, um, we, I loved the, we played over in London, you know, Jamie. The, the Redskins yep. did, uh, yep. well, just recently. But, but in 1984, we would have been the first NFL team to play in London. But Joe Gibbs didn't want to go. Coach did not yeah. want us to travel across uh, over to London and play because he thought it would be disruptive to our preparation. Well, I'll tell you what, Ralph, I think, should uh, lead the charge. We all should uh, lead the charge, and Joe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Those numbers speak for themselves, and I know it's subjective to some folks, but what you did for this franchise will never be forgotten. You're a legend. We know it. Thank you. We want to move on. No, no, no question about it. How to be a champion every day, six timeless keys to success. Talk about the book. Of course, you can order this, pre-order it right now on Amazon. Joe, tell us about this book and why people should pick it up. Well, I, I, what I've tried to do when I wrote the book, and it's been a labor of love for a number of years, I finally got off my rear end and got it done. I think I procrastinated for a long time. I'd get most of the chapters done, and then uh, just finishing something was a thing. So one of the things I actually talk about in the book is being able to finish a project you start. Um, I, the one little story I tell is um, I'm out on my tractor one day where I am at my ranch now, and I'm mowing the grass, and I look at a fence post, and it's lean. So I got half the grass done. Now I start working on the fence post. I get the hole dug. I look down the fence line. I see a bunch of bushes over the fence. So I stop digging the hole to put the fence post in. I go down. I start working on the bushes, and all of a sudden it gets dark. Well, I've got half the grass cut, a hole dug for the fence post, and half the bushes off the, off the fence. And that was my day. 
And so the next day, instead of starting a new project or, uh, or moving on to something else, I have to finish what I didn't do that day. And, and what I ask people to do is, is take time, finish the project. I mean, I, opportunity, like I said, is my favorite word. I think attitudes are important. Goals, customer service, teamwork, motivation. They're all a part of the world of business. They're all a part of the world of sports. And they're all a part of our lives. And so what I tried to do is take those three aspects and show you the parallels that exist in all three of them. Uh, people like Colin Powell have, have contributed uh, to the book. Um, obviously, I talk about a lot of the lessons I learned. One of the stories we talked about going to Joe Gibbs' house. You know, how important are things to you? What are you willing to do to accomplish the things you want in your life? And, you know, uh, customer service is really people-people relationships. I mean, we see it today. And, and also, you know, I, it's a, there's a tribute to the men and women that have sacrificed their, their careers, their lives. And now we have, new, we have new soldiers in the field today. We have the healthcare workers. We have the nurses. We have the doctors. We have everybody that are, that are treating patients with the virus. Um, hey, Joe, and they're, they're hitting the music. Can you hang today. on? Joe, can you hang on one more minute after the break? We've got to get uh, this break in real quick, but I want you back. we got to push this book. Everybody's got to get this book. So please hang on one okay. more minute. Joe Theismann, right after the break, we continue our conversation. Don't miss it on Sports 106.1. Theismann, and you're listening to The Sports King with Jamie King. Hi, sports fans. It's The Sports King for the podiatry center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts, hard casts. I was in pain, and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally, and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Want to race the sports king? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Welcome you back. Uh, this has been such a special day for us here on the Sports King Show. The legend himself, Joe Theismann, number seven, has joined us for the hour, and, and we hope he's not mad at us for keeping him a little extra. But, folks, when he talks, we just hang on every word because he takes us down memory lane, and it has been an amazing hour, folks. I have just uh, – I tell you what, you can't enjoy – uh, more than what I have. Uh, you sit here like a, a young kid that I was growing up watching this guy play uh, and hanging on everything he did every Sunday and every word he gave uh, in terms of press conference. You just wanted to learn more about him and what made him tick, and we get to hear today. And, of course, folks, for you out there, and I'm going to do this as soon as the show is over, I am ordering, pre-ordering, you can do it today, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success by Joe Theismann. And bottom line, folks, 
right now we need positivity. We need things to hang on. And this book, as we get out of this uh, pandemic we're dealing with and get back to hopefully the new normal, we need some things to hang our hat on. We need some things to be positive about. This book, How to Be a Champion Every Day, you want to get this book. It is a must read. And folks, please order this book today. You can pre-order it on Amazon right now. Joe joins us back again as we head into hour two. Joe, when you look at some of the great things, Super Bowl 17, the, the victory, and of course, uh, you did something that never happened in franchise history. Of course, we all exalted. It just, uh, for everybody that ever supported the Redskins to finally break through and get that world title and see you go off the field, we'll never forget that. But that Super Bowl, people uh, reference this. It was your defensive play against Kim Camper on a tip pass. Had you not knocked that ball out of there defensively, it could have been a different deal. It was dicey. So you not only played great offensively, but you saved the day on the defensive side as well. You know, it's it's funny, Jamie. You bring it up as as a uh, as a quarterback. You know, we're you 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 know, Ralph cited some statistics and everything. And again, I thank Ralph for for raising the question. I appreciate the thought. Um, and you know, so you're associated with all these different kinds of numbers. And uh, for me, I think you know, like it was the the play that I knocked the ball away from Kim Bocamper. I, I think was was it was a defining moment in my career. And it just so happens it was a defensive play. Um, we don't talk about my punt, which is another hour show for us. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, by the way. <laughs> my record-setting punt of one yard. You know, I was I was just talking. You know, it's funny. I, I'm sitting here reminiscing with you about my life as a Redskin. I'm thinking, you know, if I'm going to do another book, I'm probably just going to tell the story of being a Washington Redskin because it starts with a journey that started in Canada and wound up down here and you know, wound up being carried off a field and all the, the friends that I met along the way, all the experiences, all the fans, all the, uh, the uh, wonderful times uh, being a part of a franchise, the, the growth as a person. I mean, it's something I'm thinking about now. But hey, being, look, able, to, I'm, being I'm, able to make put me down as the first incredible. Put me down as the first uh, copy. I'm buying that book. I'm telling you, man. Uh, folks Thanks. out there, Facebook Live, listening on Sports 1061, hey, send the letters to Joe because we want that book. We want to read that one as well. <laughs> Let me ask you this. In 1983, I graduated from high school. I'm, I'm covering the team. I'm doing everything. And, and I'm there, and I'm watching the most masterful game, one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget 37-35. You beat the Raiders, uh, and I can see it like as yesterday. Uh, Joe Washington on the back uh, backfield, he came around, did a circle, and he gave a move, and you hit him. And the crowd, I'll never forget the eruption. It was just amazing. We win that game, the highest scoring team in the NFL, a team I felt had no equal. And of course, you mentioned earlier, you didn't play your best on Super Bowl Sunday, and it was a loss. However, we beat them earlier. I look at that, and I felt so horribly for you and for us and the team and so forth that we didn't play our best. But that team, to me, will always go down as the greatest team uh, that should have won the Super Bowl that didn't because of, as you said earlier, uh, you know, hockey, you got the seven-game series, Major League Baseball, seventh. But with the football, it's one game, and you didn't play your best. We didn't play our best as a team. But when you look back at that year, the fantastic things you did, it's just a shame that it ended the way it did. Well, you know, Jamie, it was funny about that game, or that that game actually set the uh, a little bit of a template for what the Raiders did against us in the Super Bowl. You know, you got to remember that football team that we beat at RFK Stadium did not have Mike Haynes, 
I don't think Marcus Allen played in that game. I think there were a couple of other their big stars who didn't play. So, you know, it was it was a great victory for us, a very hard-fought victory. But um, it, that wasn't the same Raider team that we were going to play in the Super Bowl. And what's right. funny about the, the the Joe went Washington went 90 yards with the screenplay. And I'll tell you one last story, and it has to do with Super Bowl 18. So it, at the end of the half, there's like we're on the 13-yard line. There's like 12 seconds to go. And Coach Gibbs and I argue over the time and the place, but I'm telling the story, so it's mine now. Um, and, and so I'm standing on the sidelines, and I said, it's 14-3 at this time. We're losing. I said, what do you want to run? He says, I want to run rocket screen. I said, uh, Coach, I just don't feel good about putting the ball in the air back up this far with such little time. He says, we have two timeouts. Run it. I, and, and, and I said, okay, fine. And I said, And then he said to me, it worked against them last time. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't think they know that? You don't think they under they know that? So I said, okay, fine. So I um, I I walk out about five yards away from him. I turn around and he points his finger at me. He goes, run it. And I'm jogging on the field, going, you ever get that feeling that something ain't going to be right? And right. so I'm jogging out on the football field, saying, you know, hey, Coach Gibbs, here we are in the Super Bowl or back-to-back Super Bowls. Incredible coach, Hall of Fame coach for sure. Um, I'll just do it. So I dropped back, and, and all of a sudden, um, they took uh, Matt Millen out of the game and put in Jack Squirek, anticipating we were going to run this play. Squirek right. intercepts it, and I managed to get his five minutes of fame. He gets on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the interception. Right. Now, now we're down 21-3 at the half. We lose the game. So about five years after that, I walked up to – I was at Coach Gibbs. He has a Youth for Tomorrow uh, charity here for kids in Washington. We were at a fundraiser, and I said, Coach, something's been bothering me for five years. What's that? I said, you know that call you made in Super Bowl 18? That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen you make in, in our entire career together. He said, you know what, Joe, you were right, but i got to tell you something. That pass you threw, one of the worst I've ever seen as well. So, so uh, we both... <laughs> We so who's guilty here, Joe? Was it Joe Gibbs? Was moment. it Joe Theismann? Who, who's guilty in this deal? Oh no, we we share mutual guilt. It okay, was, it was the it was the play, but the execution. It's like I tell oh, people man. all the time: I've never seen a bad game plan, just lousy execution. Right. There you go. Well, Joe, we're going to get back to this book, How to Be a Champion, folks, every day. Six Timeless Keys to Success. You can pre-order this on Amazon. Joe, get back into this book. I'm ordering, as I said, as soon as the show is over, I can't wait to get my hands on this. Hopefully, you'll do another one about your Redskin career. We want to read that one, too, hopefully down the road. But getting back to this How to Be a Champion in a time we really need that, Joe, because our daubers are down. We don't feel good about things. We don't see uh, the clouds lifted yet. Talk about this book, how we're going to take things out of this from a positive aspect. I think there's different aspects of it. Like I said, I, you know, I wound up really the, the basis of the book came from doing presentations and just living life. Um, I, I was doing a speech one day, and I was in a, a reception, cocktail reception before, and I was visiting with people, with the executives, uh, people from management, HR, sales, accounting, every aspect of business were all there. And they were talking about, you know, in, in business, it's, it's important to have the goals. That's why we have our meetings. That's why we're at that meeting, to, to lay down the, the goals for that particular year. And then, you know, we really need the right kind of attitude in this company to be able to accomplish the things we, we really need to do. And we have to work together as a part of a team. It's very important that each element understands its roles and how significant it is to, to our success. 
And then there's the relationships with our, with our customers, our clients. You know, if you're in the uh, if you're an attorney, you have a client. If you're an accountant, you have a client. If you're in sales, you're selling to customers. And then, and one of the things I try and emphasize is you can't lose sight of the fact that the customers actually aren't just people you sell something to, but they work inside the company and they have to be treated just as well as you might treat a customer. And then, you know, the integral parts of a team, and, and there's different stories I talk about. Al Saunders, who was a coach with the Redskins and also was an offensive coordinator of four different teams, he talked about you have to be a member of the Able family. And I asked him one day, I said, what is that? He says, you have to be available. You have to be reliable, and you have to be accountable. Available, reliable, and accountable. Those are three things. You, and it's the same thing in life. It's the same thing in sports. And it's the same thing in business. So what I tried to do with the book is take those three aspects, business, sports, and life, and show you that every one of them parallel one another. And, the, and it, it's, it's, it's not a how-to book. It's a suggestion. There's, there, are no, there aren't any guarantees, Jamie. I mean, I, I hope right. people buy the book. I hope they enjoy it. I, right. I enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed sharing my stories. Like I said, I'm Joey Appleseed. These are, <laughs> these are seeds. If they work for you, that's great. If it doesn't make sense to you, that's, that's, a, that's wonderful. But at least you thought about doing something. And that's what's important, is to get people to think about, how can I be a better person? How can I be a better partner? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better spouse? How can I be a, a, a better, better human being? And, and right now, our times are being tested, and so many people have stood up right. and, and met the challenge. And gosh, I'm so proud of who we are as a, as a nation to see so many people fighting to help others. And it just warms my heart to see that. So that's, we're gonna, that's some of the books. I see we're going to be promoting this book throughout the show. So don't worry. And throughout this week, and I want folks <laughs> to get you. this book. I really do. Joe, let me ask you in our final few minutes. Uh, when you look down after Super Bowl 17 and you sit back now, all these years later, and you have that ring on your finger and you look at it in your private thoughts, what does that signify to you? What does it mean in terms of, uh, everything that encompasses that ring? It's, it's a degree of validation. I mean, all our lives we look for validation. You know, when I was in high school, it was, we used to play New Brunswick High School, and they were the, one of the best teams. And if I played well, I belonged. And then at Notre Dame, we played USC, I belonged. And with the pros, we played the Cowboys. You felt like you, you, you validate your existence. When I look at that ring, it validated all the hard work, all the time, the blood, the sweat, the tears, uh, everything you put into and it uh, makes it a special moment, makes it a very special moment. I look at that ring, Jamie, and I turn it around just to make sure that my name is still on it. <laughs> it's, wow. It sounds crazy, but I, and I wear the rings at all the presentations. I wear the world championship ring as well as the NFC championship ring. Right. Both teams that play in Super Bowls get rings. Um, and, and, I, and I'll look at that world championship ring, and I'll – I'll sort of spin it around, and yep, it's got it's got Theismann with a number seven, and it's like, yep, it's mine. It wasn't a dream; it was uh, it, it was reality, and that's what sort of made it so special. Of course, Mark Rippin, a great fan of our show, a great friend of ours, and uh, he talks about the times when you get together with Doug and you get together with Mark, the three of you, three Super Bowl winners. What does that mean to you, the three of you together? I would just love to be a fly on the wall when the three of you guys are in a room together because you talk about the Redskin legends, guys that really did something so special for us. Uh, What a fraternity you guys have together. Well, first of all, I'm I'm, I'm the smallest one of the bunch by far. I look look at Doug and I look at Rip and I'm going, holy mackerel. 
I'm like a little, you know, I'm like five inches shorter, and I won't even tell you how many pounds lighter than both of them. But, um, we, you know, we, we, we do. We talk about going through the experience. Of course, what Doug went through was so different. You know, winning it as an African-American quarterback and, and leading, leading the team and, and the amazing show that he put on, um, the points that were put up in that short period of time. I mean, people forget the Redskins were losing that game. And all of a sudden, right. here comes, the, I think, the second quarter, and look out. Yep. Uh, yep. And Doug was on fire. And then, you know, Rip had – I look at Rip's statistics every now and then, and, and you know, we, we all talk about their, the, the great moment inside the Super Bowls and, and the careers, and you get a feeling like you're invincible. You get a feeling like you can – you see where you want to put the football, and that's exactly where it goes. Right. You see the defense. It looks like everybody, everybody on defense is moving in slow motion, and, and the holes are there where you want to throw the football. I mean, I'm, I'm just getting goosebumps telling, telling the story because it's, it's so real, but yet we, both, we all know it is real, and we all right. just have those great memories of, those, uh, of, of that occasion. And I mean, when you look at uh, all those great times and great memories, I mean, you guys, such a great fraternity, and – all the things you did uh, throughout your career, we, we just continually, we want more and to see the highlights and so forth. Uh, what career highlight besides the Super Bowl? Was there one moment that stood out to you in your illustrious career that stood head and sh- shoulders above the rest that you always look back and say, I remember that game or that particular play or something that stands out to you? It is, actually, because people ask me, what do you remember most about your career? And, and you know, obviously the, the obvious answer people would say would be winning the Super Bowl. But actually, it's the NFC Championship game against the Dallas Cowboys here. And at that, in that game, they had, what they did is they put aluminum seats around the stadium to right. make it. You know, we had 55,000. I don't know how many were there that time. But I remember standing on the sidelines at the end of that game, people yelling, we want Dallas, we want Dallas. And they were stomping their feet on those seats. And literally, standing on the sidelines, the ground shook beneath my feet. The ground was actually shaking. You could feel the, the power and the energy and, and the fans. And so what, make, what makes that moment so special, it, it's not a Joe Theismann moment. It's a Washington Redskins family fan moment. And that's what makes it so special because without the fans there, believe me, and that's something they're talking about doing this year is playing games without fans. It's different. Oh. 1974, I... You know, we had a strike season, and I, I crossed and I played in a game at RFK Stadium. It seated 55,000. There were 2,000 people in the stands. Wow. I know what it's like to play in an empty stadium. Uh, there, there's no energy. There's nothing there. Right. It's hard to get yourself going. It's like being at a practice. But for, for me, that, that moment is the one that stands out for my entire career and really in my life where – it wasn't just something that I felt, but it was something that I had a chance and we had a chance to share with the people that cared so much about us. Of course, draft is tomorrow night. Don't miss it. It'll be right here on Sports 1061. Joe, in our final moments, we have to ask you, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio are here. I remember speaking with Mark Rippon after the Super Bowl win in 91. I said, man, you've really put us on a path. We're going to win a lot more going forward. And here it's been close to 30 years is this the right guy, and is this the time this team finally turns it around in your estimation? I believe so, and, and the, the big key, Jamie, is going to be the quarterback position. You know, how will what, – is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be Dwayne? There's going to be great competition. That's what new coaches bring in. 
New coaches bring in competition, and that's usually very good for a football team. We're young. For as much criticism as Bruce received and, and everything, uh, he put together a heck of a young group of, of players that have a lot of talent. Now, can you take that individual talent and make it work together? That's going to be the charge for Ron and Jack and, uh, you know, and, and being able to – and Scott Turner, our offensive coordinator. That's going to be the challenge for the coaches to be able to put together. I think we can I really do. I think this football team is set up to be uh, a darn wonderfully competitive football team. I, I actually think we, if, if we can get the play we want out of the quarterback position, I think we can win the division. Now, once Let's again, see. people are saying, oh, my God, Theismann's nuts again. But, uh, you know, Philly is, you know, we play toe-to-toe with everybody in the division. Right. We really do. And now it's going to be uh, now it's going to be a chance to see a young quarterback step up and lead this football team. And, and uh, hopefully it, whichever one does it, it's going to be decided on the field. Just because you're a number one pick doesn't make you number one. Uh, and I, I think Dwayne has the right kind of attitude to go out and, and, and compete for the job as well as Kyle. And I admire you for giving that number seven up because, folks, I'll be honest with you, I'm a historian, and I only know one number seven with this organization. I think the nine <laughs> should be retired. I thought the seven should be retired, the 44, all of them, all the great ones. And it was such a nice thing for you to pass that number one, but it just doesn't look right. I know he's wearing it now, and I wish him the best. But like you say, the quarterback play is where it's at. But that number seven, to me, it's always uh, going to be one place. Before we let you go, I've just got to ask you, could you please give one message of hope uh, for our folks out there listening. And, of course, uh, uh, Joe has a book, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. You've got to order this. I'm getting it right after the show, as I've said. You can order it, pre-order it right now on Amazon. Joe, a message of hope before you leave here on our show. And we thank you again so much for being a part of our show today and keeping you a little extra. But uh, it has been an absolute joy ride. We can't thank you enough. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate it. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the, the stroll down memory lane with you, and I appreciate all the kind words. And, and to everybody listening, let's continue to be to keep um, you know the right distances from one another. Wear a mask if you're out. Maybe you are fine. You feel great, but don't become a statistic. That's that's the thing. My wife and I talk about all the time. I don't want to be one of those statistics that pops up and says this person has it and this person has has you know expired in life. Um, take care of one another. Uh, appreciate the fact that you have the time to spend with your families. Uh, learn a lot more about who we are, who your families are. Uh, take the time to let those people that are out there on the firing line, the, the soldiers that are out there fighting this fight, take the time to tell the police officers, uh, those in the medical profession, say thank you. Just let them know that what they're doing matters. I think that's so important to all of us in lives. And to our men and women in the military, we thank you so much for protecting this country and allowing us to be able to live the lives that we live. Because without you and the sacrifices of your families, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And God bless everybody. Be safe, be careful, and stay well. Folks, uh, legend. Now, all I can say, what an honor for me and for all of you listening today. This is just it's one of those things you can just keep going on and on. I never want to stop because I have so many more questions I want to ask them. And we'll have them back, I folks. Got, because Jamie, i gotta cut, I got to go cut the grass. 
It's the only oh, I'm sorry. we're going to have up here in Virginia. <laughs> I was going to say, I kept you from some honeydew lists there. But anyway, folks, before he goes, one more time, How to Be a Champion Every Day by Joe Theismann, Six Timeless Keys to Success. Order it today, please. Pre-order this book. You will not be disappointed. This book is amazing, and so is he. Joe, we can't thank you enough. What an honor for me today. And thanks for staying extra. And these folks, I'm telling you, the, the Facebook Live is lighting up, and uh, people are calling in left and right. We can't thank you enough for being part of the show. And continue success to you, and best of health to you and your wife and thank you we, we look forward to having you back thanks jamie you are the king oh look at that hey how about that ben no you better have that on tape thanks joe have a great day okay there we go uh joe theisman called me the king now i'll tell you what can you end a segment better than that joe theisman calls you he's the king though let's be honest about it and i'm telling you folks you got to get this book how to be a champion every six every day uh, six timeless keys to success we'll be talking about throughout the show but this is a book you got to get you can pre-order this today i'm getting mine and i'm telling you what you need to get yours we need this book in this time right now folks it'll lift you up and uh, you definitely want to read this one taking a time out we'll be right back our special thanks to joe theisman we'll be right back after these messages Hi, this is Joe Beninati. You're listening to the Sports King, Jamie King, on Sports 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back, everybody. Sports King on a Wednesday hump day edition of the Sports King Show, Sports 1061, live on Facebook Live. Folks, I'm telling you, there are days when you just look at what you're doing and who you get to work with and who you get to talk to, and you just smile ear to ear. And today was that day for me, Joe Theismann. You get to talk to the Rippins and the Williams and the Theismans and the Mosleys and go back in time and talk about the times when it was a great time to be a Redskin fan. We hope that will return starting tomorrow night. Looking at the number two selection of the NFL draft, Joe Theismann said in the hour one portion of the show that if he was a GM and he had the card, it would be Chase Young from Ohio State. He thinks that is going to be the pick. At number two, so we're going to listen to Joe there, and uh, he thinks he has the inside track on that as far as that being the guy. So it could be chasing. But then he said, he tipped his hand a little. He said, I will still be open to taking calls because right now I'm a little bit more open than I was before. Uh, a few weeks back, it was a slam dunk. Now he's got a little bit of a crack in the door that he would be open to a potential trade at number two. It would take a lot to get us out of number two, I believe, and so does Joe. Um, I do want to let you know um, in regards to the NFL right now, if you're looking at the NFL, uh, some big news yesterday, and that was Rob Gronkowski announced that he is going to be reuniting, and it feels so good, reuniting with Tom Brady. Who saw this one coming? 
uh, as Brady and Gronkowski reunite in Tampa Bay for a fourth-round pick. So we didn't see this coming. But the Patriots have agreed to trade Gronkowski to the Buccaneers in a deal that pulls them back together, getting the band back together. And Gronkowski was saying that he was physically unable to perform, unable to play at his peak level. But now, this has been 13 months ago, he tells everyone he feels fantastic, the best he's ever felt. His weight is back up to 260. He passed his physical with flying colors. He's really excited about playing football and being back in Florida. So Gronkowski is going to reunite on a one-year deal, $9 million remaining on his contract. The Buccaneers announced the details of the trade, saying that New England will receive a fourth-round pick, number 139 overall, in this week's draft tomorrow night, which, by the way, folks, the draft will be right here on Sports 106.1 beginning at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. And, folks, I'm telling you, I am over the moon excited that we have something, as Joe said, live. Joe Theismann, our special guest for the last hour and a half, and, boy, what an hour and a half it was. We learned so much from Joe. Uh, of course, has a great book out now, uh, pre-order right now. It will be uh, coming out very soon this summer. But in talking with uh, Joe, he felt the skins will stay at number two. When you look at the Buccaneers, they're going to get, uh, going back to uh, the Bucks. New England's going to receive a fourth-round pick from 139. Now, if you look at the Buccaneers' situation, they get a combination now with Brady and Gronkowski, who know each other so well in that red zone area. Uh, Gronkowski's not going to be an every-down player, so don't think he's going to play every down. But in that red zone area, uh, third downs, we need to move the chains. Gronkowski's going to be that safety valve, that guy, that uh, emergency release hatch for Tom Brady, the guy he can go to that he knows how to get to. He knows where he's going to cut. He knows how he's going to cut. When Tom looks a certain way at him, he knows how to get open. So Gronkowski is going to be a huge addition for Bruce Arians in this offense in Tampa Bay. And I'm telling you what, the tickets are flying off the shelves in Tampa. You can't uh, hardly get a ticket there. If you're from that area listening on the Sports King Show today, you need to go ahead and call Ticketmaster today and see if you can get something because it is going quickly in terms of tickets there. So tomorrow night, we've already uh, heard that the Patriots, who, if you look from their standpoint, they're getting a fourth-round return for this, uh, number 139. So you're actually getting a fourth-round pick for a guy that hasn't played in 13 months, a guy that really was doing nothing. So you're getting something out of it. Uh, meanwhile, Tampa is getting a lot out of it. They're getting a one-two combination. It's going to be great in Tampa. So that is going to be interesting. And uh, Brady, I know, is excited to have his guy back. And uh, it's interesting how the pieces, as I said, Tampa is not going to stay in path. They're going to get guys in there to help Brady. He's not going down there just to enjoy the sunshine. He wants to go down there with a mission to win. Uh, Brady signed a two-year deal worth $50 million with Tampa Bay. He will enjoy uh, a great selection of targets with O.J. Howard, who may or may not be moved. Uh, Also, Cameron Brait, the tight end, and Mike Evans with Chris Godwin. So they've got pieces there. And so the draft will be right here on Sports 106.1 tomorrow night, beginning at 8 o'clock. And it's going to be so exciting in terms of hearing a draft, seeing a draft, seeing something in the sports world that's moving forward, we can't wait for it. I know you can't wait for it because uh, we are tired of the same old, same old in terms of just uh, wanting and talking and hoping now we get to actually see something. So, folks, as we've talked about, we're one step closer to getting back. Now it's coming a little at a time in certain states like Georgia, 
we understand is going to open up on Friday in certain aspects. Uh, I believe they say hair salons and haircut uh, barbershop places and uh, nail salons and different, you know, some movie theaters are starting to slowly open up. So we're starting to see a little bit, a little glimmer of sunshine coming through the clouds. But as we said, this is not going to be an overnight thing, but to start seeing some systematic aspects coming back into our lives, some things that we can hang our hat on like the NFL draft tomorrow. And it will be covered, as I said, here on Sports 106.1. But you have to remember one thing about the draft tomorrow night is not the same old, same old draft, as we well know. It's going to be broken up in terms of a uh, situation where a GM will be in one area a player will be in another area. There won't be a lot of family and friends around. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those one-on-one situations for the most aspect in terms of the night itself. It'll be a an occasional family nearby, of course, but uh, those folks have been hunkered down together for some time. You're not going to see the big gatherings that we've seen, the throngs of people. That won't be happening because everybody, of course, trying to practice social distancing. The sad part about tomorrow night for so many is the fact that uh, you reach your culmination of a goal that you've worked your entire life for, and then you don't get to celebrate with the pe- people that uh, you hold dearest. And that is something that you have to feel for those folks. So, uh, a very uh, sad situation that they don't get to actually enjoy it with uh, with the folks around them. And that's something that uh, we will definitely um, uh, you'll hear throughout the night in terms of uh, the excitement level from the individual. But you won't get to see them sharing it uh, too much with others. And that's the sadness of the night. But uh, on the happy side. And the great side, it will be covered here on Sports 106.1. We get to enjoy it, and we get to see something that's happening currently. And it's going to improve teams, uh, your favorite team out there, wanting a player to maybe change your fortunes like a Chase Young. Uh, We think that's going to be the call here in D.C. And it's something that uh, uh, the Redskins need a guy that's going to change. Is Joe Theismann, who is our special guest. We can't thank Joe enough. Spent almost an hour and a half. He covered so many topics talking about staying positive and practicing social distancing, doing the smart thing and understanding we're going to get through this together. He also talked about the Redskins, the history of the Redskins, some of the key moments, the Super Bowl moments, uh, of course, handing off the John Riggins on the big fourth and one play that uh, set the franchise's first Super Bowl victory. And uh, some fun things like traveling to RFK Stadium with Dave Butts and Mark Mosley in a vehicle, uh, running over roadkill. Dave Butts, the big defensive tackle, of course, could not uh, uh, go to a game without hitting some roadkill. Of course, not killing animals, but animals are actually in the road. He would run over them and uh, actually gauge how he would play based on hitting different animals that had been uh, expired in the road. And uh, for whatever reason, that was something that uh, he did as a, uh, uh, one of those things that superstitions, I guess. Uh, and of course, uh, it was funny to hear that Mark Mosley would turn on a, a certain uh, music station listening and then Dave Butts would just turn it off. And of course, Dave being so big, nobody would mess with Dave. So Dave basically, uh, would joke around and turn the station just to be an antagonist. So uh, we heard a lot of funny things from Joe and, uh, of course, uh, the great uh, meeting he had with Joe Gibbs and how that turned the franchise around, letting us inside on that, letting us inside on some of the key moments in his career. And he talked about beating the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC title game uh, at RFK with the stands. As you saw the video and have seen the video through the years, the stands reverberated, bounced up and down, and it was such an exciting, emotional time when the Cowboys came to town. You hated the Cowboys. And he said, imagine this for a minute, being at RFK Stadium 
and feeling the ground vibrating from the fans in the stands. And he talked about that moment being one that he would never forget in terms of his career. So when you look back at Joe Theismann and look at what he did and what he meant to me, uh, of course, you grow up a fan, a lifelong fan of a team, and you want that one shining moment to where your team wins a Super Bowl and you get to celebrate. And that day when John Riggins went off uh, the, around the, the end on uh, 70 chip and uh, beat Don McNeil and pulled away and the Redskins win their first Super Bowl, to be able to see Joe Theismann running off the field with the ball over his head with his finger up in the air and saying we're number one, and to be able to feel the uh, jubilation of the moment, the excitement of the moment, and something I'll never forget because uh, it was this franchise's first world championship. And it made you feel like, yes, you know, now everybody can appreciate what you've appreciated with your team and all those early years of struggles and losing the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl seven, uh, 14 to 7 in a game that uh, we look back on. Uh, of course, Billy Kilmer didn't play well in that one, but it was Sonny Jurgensen, if you recall, that had an Achilles injury. And many people to this day say had Sonny played in that game, we would have won. Now, you can't definitively say so, but we always felt Sonny, with him in the lineup, you had a chance to win a ball game. And Sonny Jurgensen would have definitely been a factor had he been able to play in that Super Bowl, but unfortunately he didn't. And Billy Kilmer played as best as he could. But, folks, uh, he was no Sonny Jurgensen, so, and very few people were. Of course, Joe Theismann went on to say during our interview earlier here on Sports 1061 that Sonny Jurgensen was the finest passer, the greatest passer he ever saw throw a football, which is quite a comment from Joe Theismann. Of course, he also talked about uh, Billy Kilmer and how uh, his cockiness, and many people felt Joe was cocky when he came to town. He came to town when he first Join the Redskins. You have an establishment of Thies, of Theismann uh, coming in with uh, Jurgensen and uh, Kilmer, and he says right away in his first uh, interview, I'm not going to sit around. I want to be the starter, which rubbed everybody the wrong way. So he didn't really enamor himself when he came in, but uh, we learned to love him, and, of course, uh, he definitely was confident. Some people thought cocky, but Joe got it done for us. And in the end, he is beloved for what he did for the Redskins and will always be our number seven. We're going to take a time out. You're listening to Sports King. Final 15 minutes coming back, looking at the NFL draft. Hey, folks, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here on Sports 1061. You don't want to miss it. Uh, we get something to hang our hat on. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, this is Ryan Mitchell, former Washington Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 1061. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. And we welcome you back. Sports King. Heard around the nation, around the world. Thank you, London, England. Joe was very excited to hear from London and he thanked Ralph for his comments about the Hall of Fame and said that uh, very much appreciated. So, we have the draft 
tomorrow night, folks. 24 hours plus, a little bit more than that. 8 o'clock tomorrow night, right here on Sports 1061. I am over the moon excited about this because it gives us something current to hang our hat on. The Redskins, we don't have to wait long. We'll find out very quickly. Many people feel number one is Joe Burrow. Number two, Chase Young from Ohio State. But it was Ben Maitland who, during our break, said that through Jacina Anderson of ESPN, the Redskins have been contacted by one team, and they're in discussions. This one team offered a complete package deal to the Redskins. So we know that a deal has been offered for number two. The question is, will the package be enough to move the needle to get off of number two? I've said it, going on record saying it, that you don't just move out of two unless it's something that's going to be a deal that would really turn head, something that's going to make you really say, okay, yeah, I could do that, versus just, eh, you know, it was just a call. There's a difference between just a call and then a call that could, you know, basically change the fortunes of your franchise. So bottom line is this. Can we take two, move back in the top 10? Could we take the second pick of the first round and move in that top 25 to 30 range and then get something in the third round? Would we get three for one? Can we get three for one? Can anybody work that deal? If you can, that's the only way I've gone on record. You move off of two because as Joe Theismann said, and we thank Joe for joining us uh, first hour and a half. And boy, did it fly by. We had a lot of fun. Joe said that, At first, he was so sold on Chase Young, and he still believes he'll be the pick at number two. But he said now, as he gets closer to the draft, he is leaving the door cracked open that if a pick and a deal came across that made enough sense that he would at least be open to listening to it. And I'm the same way. I think you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to look at it and say, you know, if it makes sense, do we do it? But it has to be something that makes sense. You can't just do a deal to do a deal. So the Redskins are uh, second in line. Joe Burrow is first. And we thank Ben Maitland for that update because Josina Anderson has said and gone on record that there is one team, one dance partner out there that has put a complete package together. Now, behind the scenes today, are they mulling that over? Are they looking at the package saying, okay, we're going to do that deal or maybe consider that deal? Uh, the future of this franchise hangs in the balance. You wonder if Chase Young, who Joe said could be that uh, guy that could change the defensive look of this team for many years to come, do we go with that guy and hang our hat on that guy, or do we get off of there and try to package it together, get something else in here to help this franchise? Riverboat Ron Rivera, we know he's a gambler. We know he likes to roll the dice. Would he roll the dice and get off of number two? That is the million-dollar question. I think unless a flurry of activity comes in with enough movement that you stay where you're at, take what you have, and be very happy. And folks, don't get me wrong. Chase Young is from DeMatha. My son went to DeMatha. I know what type of young man he is, where he comes from, his academic background. I've done research on him. Great family, great kid. He's going to bring a lot to the organization. If he's the pick, hey, I'm not going to cry a river, so don't get me wrong there. The only alternate view is do you stay with one guy or do you package and get three? And if you get three for one, you got to look hard at it because this team needs an awful lot. So that's something there. Of course, some other news that uh, we wanted to get to you that uh, we talked about earlier, Rob Gronkowski shockingly comes out of retirement or maybe not so shockingly because he is now reunited with 
Tom Brady. Now, they're going to be in Tampa, and then you wonder if there's a package deal coming because we've heard that the Trent Williams deal may be all but dead. Uh, Ben mentioned that as well, that uh, his agent has been talking about uh, the fact that things might be cut off there. So we don't know if uh, Trent Williams is going to be on the move or not. Is he going to stay put? What's going to happen with him? Would you move him potentially to Tampa Bay, take an O.J. Howard, get him to the Redskins because we need a tight end? And O.J. Howard may not be in vogue as much in Tampa with Rob Gronkowski being added. So you wonder if that's a possibility. Is Tampa the dance partner? I'm just wondering and thinking out loud. So we'll have to take a look at that. So uh, we did find out that Ron Rivera uh, has said that uh, he's going to rely on uh, personnel and uh, people uh, – in his own home, he'll need the help of his daughter and his wife in terms of uh, they're going to play roles with the draft, allowing the coach to stay focused on the big screen TVs and computers. His daughter works for the Redskins social media department, and she put together uh, a video for USAA detailing Rivera's home setup and showing uh, Stephanie keeping him fed his wife with pancakes. Their roles will be different Thursday night. However, they will take notes for Rivera during the draft and cross off names as they come off the board. Rivera also listed his wife's cell phone number as an emergency contact number for the league. So his wife and daughter are helping him. Uh, and Rivera went on to say, quote, it's teamwork, just like in the military, end quote. Uh, everyone in the house will be doing something. And uh, Rivera has basically talked about the fact that, you know, they're going to be home. It's going to be different. But he's going to have his two dogs, a golden retriever named Tahoe and a rescue terrier named Sierra. Their role will be comfort support, Rivera said. So he's got his wife, his daughter, and his two dogs offering comfort support. And uh, trust me, many people feel that if he doesn't take Chase Young, he's going to need comfort support, the number two pick out of Ohio State, the star defensive end. So many people feel it's going to be Chase Young. We think it'll be Chase Young. We hope it could be Chase Young. But uh, if the phone rings... And if there is enough there, they'll make the deal. Ron Rivera is going to have two TVs going. One is 80 inches. The other is 60 inches set up in his war room, quote unquote, his man cave, his basement. The Redskins IT department provided three laptop computers to him, a desktop, two hardline phones, a speaker set up and a printer. One line will be connected to the league, the other to Redskins coaches and front office members. Owner Daniel Snyder will also be watching the proceedings from his home. Uh, In addition to participating in the league's mock draft, the Redskins have held two of their own, so they were very prepared. They have a third one scheduled for today, uh, this afternoon. They conducted a four-round mock Tuesday. Kyle Smith, the team's vice president of player personnel, has the same setup as Rivera and joked about a fire hazard. Uh, He said uh, that he and Rivera are prepared, and he showed us his carpet, and he said you could see cables running all over his house. He said, if you didn't have shag carpet, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Rivera joked with uh, Smith. So Rivera said there have been no glitches so far. They're fully prepared. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you don't take uh, Chase Young, many people might think that you need uh, your your dogs there for uh, comfort and support. So uh, Rivera says he's not very concerned. He said he feels good about everything. He's knocked on wood. He says, like in the military, they call them maneuvers. We're practicing what we need to do. That's what we've done. We're working out all the kinks. So Rivera's uh, approach is uh, from his uh, late father, Eugenio, who was an engineer in the U.S. Army. Rivera has cited the military background he has as critical to his coaching philosophy. And he said uh, that 
Speaking of his dad, Eugenio, he was always prepared to do something the regular soldier couldn't do as an engineer. Rivera said the biggest thing growing up on an army base is when you're going to school at 730 in the morning and you see troops in formation or marching the firing ranges. There's discipline everywhere you see it. There's discipline that you need. You have to be prepared to handle all situations, all circumstances. You truly get an opportunity to watch the teamwork. Uh, having grown up in a military family. So Ron Rivera is going to be ready, and we hope you're going to be ready as we close out today's edition of the Sports King Show uh, with my producer, Ben Maitland, back in the studio doing an incredible job. Ben has been doing it and doing it great. Of course, he does it for Big Al and Sports Phone for 8 to 10 live every morning. Immediately following Al, I'm on from uh, from 10 to 12 noon every day. And right after me, it's uh, the legendary Jim Rome from the jungle in Los Angeles. And then uh, Tiki and Tyranny after that. And we've got the big lineup. But remember, the big announcement here on Sports 106.1 tomorrow night, 8 p.m. to 12 o'clock. And I'm not going to miss a second of it. As T.O. used to say, get your popcorn ready. Because I can't wait for this. Uh, Going to be watching every minute of the draft, taking notes, and we'll have a complete breakdown on Friday. So in our final couple minutes here, we want to let you know that uh, do not miss a second of the draft. You won't have to because we're going to have it right here on uh, the uh, Sports King show as well as tomorrow night, 8 o'clock is the start time. And we want to remind you that our special guest today, for an hour and a half, we had Joe Theismann, the Lebretzkin legend, one of the all-time greats. He has a brand-new book out. It's called How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. And Joe wrote this book. And, folks, right now, in a time we really need some positivity, this is a book for you. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon. Uh, I'm going to do that right after the show today. And I'm excited to get this book. As he said, it's going to lift you up and it's going to give you some insights. And he said, hey, folks, you got to stay together, hunker down, of course, practice social distancing, make sure you wash your hands, do all those little things because they add up to big things. And we're one step closer today than we were yesterday. And, folks, don't forget the draft. Uh, a little more than 24 hours from now, we're going to be smiling, talking about something, seeing something happen uh, that we've been in need of for a long time. And we're tired of not uh, seeing anything current. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, replays and replays and replays. Now we get to see how our teams are going to change, and that's going to happen right here on Sports 106.1 tomorrow night. Man, I'm so excited. I'm fired up, and it's good to smile, and it was great to catch up with Joe Theismann today. And if you want to follow us, uh, go to our podcast, the Sports King Podcast. Uh, it'll be up a little bit later today. You can hear the entirety of the interview, Joe Theismann. He touched on so many subjects, and uh, it was great going down memory lane. He thanked me. And he called me the king. He said, you're the king. So it made me feel good uh, as well. So Joe's always lifting us up. But uh, I'll never forget Super Bowl 17. Of course, him running off the field with the ball over his head uh, with the number one sim symbol, uh, uh, his finger up in the air, and basically saying, hey, we're number one. And uh, for Redskin fans, every time you watch that film, and you just smile and you think about the time it was. He set the table for some great, great things for the Redskins. Of course, then Doug Williams and Mark Rippon. And uh, three world titles, and it's been so long. 91 was the last one, but we hope Riverboat Ron tomorrow night turns it around for the Redskins. We believe that he and Jack Del Rio have a plan. We're going to see how that plan unfolds starting tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, as a draft in the fortunes of the Redskins. We'll find out about that and all of your favorite teams as well. Uh, Gronkowski on the move. He is in Tampa Bay. So it's been a great day. For Ben Maitland, my outstanding producer, I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. I want to thank Joe Theismann. Pick up the book, How to Be a Champion Every Day, Six Timeless Keys to Success. Be safe, be together, look out for one another, reach out to folks today, and be kind. Remember, we're one step closer. NFL Draft tomorrow night right here. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Sports King.